0: Hi, before we start, I just want to give a short apology for my audio in this episode. Uh, You know, Nigerian internet problems, you know how it is. But anyways, hopefully this won't happen again in the future. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to our episode on climate change.
0: This is Extrospection.
1: Right now, you're studying about sustainability in your master's, and before that, you were doing sustainable development with the government of Trinidad and Tobago. Um, but any time during then or before then, did you have a defining point in your life where you realized you were like, oh, damn, like climate change is super important, sustainable development is super important? Um, did you have a little aha moment?
2: So I wouldn't say it just came like a boom, like I just knew all of a sudden where I wanted to go in. I mean, I still am not fully 100% sure. Um, but I knew from since in high school that I liked out my geography class, which entailed uh, both physical geography, policy, um, and also just like looking at the environment and the pool. And so for one one of my class um, class projects, I actually did a study looking at flooding um, and just looked at, um, went through some communities that, that had were impacted by flooding just because of their location and the rains and everything. And talked to some of the community members and I started to see how much of an issue that was and noticed that uh, that, uh, that was not just human um causes, which a lot of it was, but it wasn't just that, but also just uh, with the the rainfall coming, where it was falling, the the river and, and a lot of other factors. Um and funny enough it's actually getting worse. Like I'm seeing being back here in Trinidad the past three and a half years I'm actually seeing it's getting worse. this flooding is happening mm-hmm. so much more often and a big part of that is is, is human behavior I'm not going to discount that we have a lot of development going on here that's not really regulated um but another part of that is just also how much the rain like the intensity of the rainfall like it's very you know. clear that that rain is a lot more intense um and yeah, and so just seeing that and just also seeing like what is also going on in, in around people like kinda open my eyes that hey this is definitely a problem. Um and I mean it's a problem that it touches on every single thing. And so when you say sustainable development, the big part of that is climate and, and it's interlinked. Um yeah, it's very interlinked and I think that yeah. is
0: <laughs> Yeah, I wanna say something on two two things on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm in Lagos right now and Honestly, my whole life it has never stormed in January. Like January, Lagos kind of has this Sahara dust that blows over the, the city. This year, for the first time, like in my entire life, it stormed, and I, I, it was so strange. It was the strangest experience. Um, but also tied to that, when you talk about like flooding, you know, and 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 you said like human behavior, it, it's interesting that when if when it rains hard, you know, nice, very rich developments, they mm-hmm. you know they're, they're set up for the for the high deluge when you see slums and things like that and it rains heavy it's a disaster it's like it's like a natural disaster and it's just like one regular storm but for them it's akin to a natural disaster so i don't know if it's like that in trinidad where like there's certain people when it rains it's like the end of the world essentially
2: yeah a lot of times unfortunately we do see um like more low-income persons being affected um and then like it's great because i think the last rainfall we had that water was up over six feet like you see people's whole first floor is just inundated with water um and yeah it's funny enough never these big rich houses never never those mm-hmm. get flooded just because of where they're located um and so yeah and it's, it's also funny that you mentioned dust because the dust from the sahara reaches all the way into the caribbean and for me and coming back here it's a huge problem and I don't recall it being as much of a problem um, before I went away to school and I was away for five years and so mm. when I was in my like, high school and primary school I don't recall the being as major as so I don't know if it's just that I was oblivious to it or if it has indeed gotten loose but it is crazy we keep getting waves and waves and a lot of people their sinuses are affected and so it is a huge health issue and I think it is possibly linked to climate change as well
1: But I feel like it's just also so important to have that understanding and to actually see it by eyes. Because, for instance, if you look at the UK, there's very little that a regular British person can see about the impact of climate change in their day-to-day life. And I feel like it is also the cause of why people here are more skeptic about climate change or more deniers about climate change because they're like, well, what's happening? There's nothing that's changing in the weather. We're not getting any disasters. We're not getting any sea rise. Like, we don't know what's happening. And, and, you know, in my home country in Japan, it's like similar things to where you guys are. It's we have crazy typhoon seasons and the typhoons would, you know, level five typhoon would come maybe once every 10 years but we had two in the last three years and you know it's it's just crazy wow. yeah some countries are lucky that they do not and then it's not that they don't
2: experience the impact i feel as though just the cushioning of wealth kind of protects people against it like they are able to put up better infrastructure they're able to um have those systems in place where they can deal with it. Um yeah. and so yeah, so country people in those situations, they don't they don't have to experience it and so therefore they don't have to like take measures against it. They don't have to care. Um
0: yeah, you, you know, I I would actually I'll actually because you, you know typhoon's hurricanes essentially the same yeah. thing. And, you know, hurricanes hit I guess the Caribbean and typhoons hit Japan, and Japan, it's interesting that you say that, because Japan is like a high, yeah. I think it's like the third largest GDP, and it's still struggling to manage these typhoons, it reaches a certain point in which your income is no longer even enough to like, help you like, mitigate or manage these like changing climate, like, it's yeah. it actually starts affecting even those of, of, of high means.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then we also can't forget about, the fact that it's not just that one flood coming, or that one storm coming, or that one Mm -hmm. drop coming. It's like things coming back to back before you can actually recover from that one that came in the past. Like in Japan, there was a huge typhoon that came in July. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're used to typhoons and they're used to earthquakes, so they're used to disaster response and getting back up. But then another huge one came in October and, and they they were not ready because they didn't fully recover from the one in July and then it basically took another year or two but it's just a perpetual disaster then. The Caribbean countries a
2: lot of them are in this weird position where they are still they aren't seen as as very low-income countries and so therefore there's a lot of global economic um, aspects, like benefits that they don't get because they're not seen as that because of their mm-hmm.
0: Um
2: Without realizing that there's very high inequalities and even so it's still not enough. Um, and so when these incidents happen, it's hard to get the global resources to help to build back. And then also to, you don't, like it's small populations. And so the resources are very limited and you can't like it's very difficult to put back those efforts since you're rebuilding, and you also end up getting a lot of brain drain because people leave because if everything is damaged, you can't find employment, you struggle struggling and so forth. And so that kind of just a lot of different things that makes it harder to build back. Um, and so, yeah, so these countries, they were affected by this um, and were in those places of heightened vulnerability, and especially as a lot of these countries rely on tourism. And sometimes also agriculture and things that like, those types of events completely destroy. Because if your hotels are damaged, then you're not going to have people coming in as tourism. And so you're not going to be making money. So you don't have money to put back into to, to redeveloping infrastructure. And so that's what we've seen in um, some of the Caribbean countries, that the process in itself is, is slow. And so like this year and last year, like I've been I was praying that, you know, hurricane season come. And I'm praying that like these countries don't get the brunt of it because they still not recuperated from the last few seasons. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, and thankfully there weren't any major, major ones to hit the islands this year. Um, so I guess that fills a little bit of time. But for for a lot of countries, not just these small island developing states or just other developing states, like it's a ticking time bomb. You don't know you don't know when the next event is gonna strike, you don't know if you're ready. Mm-hmm. You don't know if you will have that time to to, to recuperate so I make a really valid point when you're talking about Japan in that even for a country like Japan which has the resources to build back that time is important because yeah. if you don't have time to build back your is still in a vulnerable state And then... yeah all
0: right just because of what the cell uh, talked about there, I feel like it's very interesting to ask um, a certain question. And it's to do with Trinidad and Tobago's uh, economy. You know, Trinidad and Tobago, big time, or even a lot of Caribbean countries run on tourism. While um, Trinidad and Tobago has this very interesting uh, second major part of its economy, which is oil and gas. And oil and gas, I mean, we know the effects of extraction and uh, refining and utilizing oil and gas products and petrochemical products, but even tourism—you um, know, these cruise liners that are huge polluters—I I think some people might try to do things about that now. But even like the the promotion of hyper consumption that comes with the tourism industry, uh, these 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 um, these economic activities are can be really detrimental in terms of sustainability. But Trinidad has to balance this economic development and promotion of tourism and oil and gas with climate change uh, so Lisselle, question if you were the president <laughs> of Trinidad it's a big goal. <laughs> you know how would you deal with this catch-22 like how would you uh, yeah how would you deal with it
1: well first of all before before that like do you even think it's possible and if you, if you do how would you go about it So
2: a couple of clarifications. so because of the oil and gas industry we have not focused on tourism so we and then also because we're so south of like a lot of the countries that a, a lot of the populations that like go on cruises and stuff like that they don't really come they don't come here we don't well we do have a few cruises that dock here every year but it's nothing compared to some of the other islands we don't have the facilities we haven't really focused on that um Tourism aspects of it. Tur- Tobago, our sister isle, definitely has a little bit more focus on, tur- um, on tourism. Um, so they are like flights and stuff from the UK and America and, well, America, not America, but the UK and, and different European countries that fly to Tobago. But we have not focused as much on it as we should have or could have because of oil and gas. Um, second clarification, mm-hmm. Prime Ministers, we still run a diverse system ish. So, our prime ministers, not, you bad, know, not bad. With the power to make change. Um,
0: so that in mind,
2: I think we can make that balance not just with tourism, but um, with other sectors, agriculture, um, the um, tertiary sectors, and so forth. I think we, it is possible to make that balance. However, traditionally, up till now, we have not been incentivized to make that balance, and so. You always have a lot of people um, from various sectors coming in and saying, we need to diversify our economy, we need to be more sustainable, we need to try to figure out other ways, because the oil and gas money is going to run out. And the thing is, that is what is happening right now. Um, the oil prices are, have been consistently low, especially um, with the COVID-19 impact, um, where a lot of industries went not running, and therefore the demand wasn't as high and so that dropped drastically. Mm -hmm. And so we're not making a lot of money as a country. And but like for the past few for a long time, like these conversations have come up, like, okay, let's invest in renewable energies and so forth, but they don't ever really go far because we don't have to, right? But now I think people are taking I think the governments are taking it a bit more seriously and, and actually trying because a few years ago we actually closed down our national petroleum um company petrotrin um mm-hmm. just for decades it has been draining our economy in part because of corruption and in part because of inefficiencies and so forth and it was costing a lot more than it should have and so they closed it down in order to kind of reassess it maybe consider privatizing it and and so forth um but still the action seems- you
0: yeah that's that's a very that's a very interesting point and I, just want, I just want to jump in and say something you know people talk about oil and gas as if it's good for the economy but when you get down to the nitty-gritty in a lot of these countries oil and gas is terrible for the economy and in fact if you, you want to promote your economy it actually makes sense to make it rely less and less on oil and gas so you know it Yeah, we have oil and gas in the south of Nigeria, but does nothing for us and it destroys the people's homes, the fishermen's homes there. So, yeah.
2: Because what happens is that the country relies solely on oil and gas and so it puts everything into this. Um, But those prices are volatile and so it makes us vulnerable to global economic shocks. It makes us in a position that we are reliant on the oil and gas market. And so, for example, once again, with COVID-19 what was projected for the, what for our income for the year, it didn't matter because the prices dropped and so therefore now our whole budget, everything had to be reassessed because the plan was to spend a certain amount of money based on how much we were expecting to get. But if we're not getting this amount of money, we can't spend. Um, and then also to go on with the, the resource, because um, as Shoshu pointed out, you have these countries, they have all this income coming and they're like, okay, we're going to spend it all. We're going to get um, free education, free health, free, everything free, which is perfectly fine. But if you don't look at ways to make sure that you have a steady stream of money coming in to keep that and make sure that it maintains that effectiveness that yeah. efficiency, then it's not sustainable. And that's what we're experiencing right now. And so, but people get accustomed to being happy to getting all of these things for free and so as soon as the government makes one change to try to change that everyone is angry and i mean i understand that frustration because you get accustomed to a certain a lifestyle mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. making a change as a government is difficult. off yeah.
1: so for instance like if if you have floods or if you have some natural disasters and you mentioned that after leaving and coming back you notice that things are just not the same frequency as it was before and you have made this link to this is probably some sort of human activity influence do you think that most of the people also have made that link or yeah
2: yeah okay. internet. Everyone knows all of the problems that we have, in sure that like people are always will always complain, and they will say what makes sense. And I'll be like, oh, y'all are uh, like y'all know what's happening. Like I can't imagine how many conversations I've had with random um persons while in a taxi or something about the issues being faced by this country, and we know, but these same people will be hesitant for the for governments and so and put persons in power to put um. To put some measures in place to change that just because of the cost that it will take on their lives and 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 this comes in globally which is that selfishness of not mm-hmm. wanting to give up what you have and so it's like oh yeah we know there's a problem but mm-hmm. i don't want to change in order to fix this problem and so yeah because i remember the one of the last instances of flooding a guy who a guy was on tv and he was speaking the truth he was like yeah no there have been these developments that have been being built on the mountain right on top of us and they did a whole set of land clearing because this type of flooding never used to happen here and but they're up there clearing and we sure didn't get permits or regulations because you can pay for a lot of those things right and mm. now it's flooding and so all of these connections we'll see people all the time talking about the reason that's is in areas of flooding is because people are throwing away their large electronics and they waste and stuff inside of the rivers and the drains and so forth like we all know this but still that's what people are doing and (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i think people are very 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 aware but wanting to make that personal change that there is the difficult part
1: I just wanted to comment um on what what you just talked about. But I also think that like that gap between you know understanding the problem but not wanting to actually change what what you do or your life to try to adjust that address that problem or fix that problem is like at the end of the day, being able to change your life or your decisions to fight climate change, is actually also a privilege can only be done by people who have enough bandwidth to be like, yeah, I can sacrifice this amount of money that I'm making now to go to something maybe that's less paying, but more better um, for the planet and more sustainable, um, or like making these day to day life choices all ultimately comes at a cost and if you can't see if you can't see yourself long term if you're fighting day to day for your short-term survival it's literally impossible even if you know that climate change exists for you to actually be able to do anything about it and yeah i agree
2: completely and it's not just like the inequalities like oh we could talk forever on power and inequalities and how it contributes to this um but that is a very very important point like people don't always have the luxury to change. But the other side of that is that a lot of pressure is being put on individuals to change when that change, in essence, may not necessarily be significant, be as significant as asking the people who have the power to change. Yes. And as you saying, and so very, very yeah. being put on individuals is like, oh, you all need to save electricity, buy, spend all this money to buy these, efficient um electronics and so mm. forth trying to hold on to these things but in reality it's like these big corporations these big governments these big wealthy countries they're not getting as much
0: yeah.
2: of the climate change but they're also the ones causing causing it
0: mm. yeah exactly i think you can trace like the majority of um of Emissions to just a handful of companies but those companies being things that we number one lobbying governments to death but if you live in many american cities you have to have a car if you want to get food you know it's just it's just inevitable there's no public transit systems there's no you know it's as though you're like the city forces you to pollute um or to or to uh, con- have to like consume certain products So it's it's yeah it's complex.
1: Do you think that do you have faith in humankind and us fighting this battle against climate change? My faith in humanity kind
2: of changes day by day. Like it depends. Um, Overall, I'd like to be hopeful. I like to try and be positive, like we can do this, I know that we can do this, Um, (laughs) but just like knowing and especially with this program that I'm doing, like learning more about the world and the system and why it is the way that it is and who wants to keep it that way, it kind of gets a little harder to be positive sometimes now don't get me wrong when I say that I think humans are inherently selfish like I don't take away I don't that doesn't mean that I think that humans aren't inherently good I yeah. think that humans at the end of the day they want to do good it's just like that balance between am I doing good for me or am I doing good for the world like sometimes it's a little harder and a little bit more complex to get yeah. um so I believe, I, I mean, I want to have hope. I want to believe in people. I want to believe that people are going to take this seriously and care about this um, if they are fully aware of how much of an issue it is. And I think that that awareness is, is the important part because it's like, if you don't think that it's a real problem, you're not going to think that addressing it is going to be something good. And so once we're able to do that, and once we're able to, 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 Get those in power to recognize that this, that to recognize why it's an issue. I do believe that there is hope that we can um, that we could do something for yeah. this. Thank, yeah.
0: Thank you, Lucille. Thank you. I think that's it. I think we—we we got. We can call Caster now.
1: <laughs> wait, wait. Well, actually, i, I want right. to—I want to know you, Shosho. What do you do? You have faith?
0: Uh, maybe, let's see maybe at the end of episode 10 we can talk about it if I have faith. alright
1: thank you for listening to our first podcast on climate change this is Extrospection we also thought it would be fun to add a little bit of art to this podcast so please enjoy show shows beautiful spoken word
0: climate catastrophe causing chaos in the caribbean burying barbuda beneath the rubble of broken buildings twisting the typhoons of the skies to 10 times the frequency fabulizing the dry seasons of the rainforest. While fat cats feast on the economic oppression-like food of fossil fuel. All hope seems lost and chaos appears on the horizon. But a shadow changes and what some may confuse for chaos is in truth the sustainability passion of the youth.